Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You today and it's a clear fact, Father, that as we come to You, we need You very Amen. close every single day. Amen. Father, we, we search You out. And we're looking for an answer for what You might have for us. And we need Your blessings even this very day, Father. We ask You to be with our pastor today as he stands there and opens up Your Word, Father. We're looking for that Word that You have for us. And Father, we desire to take that Word with us every single day of the week. And Father, we do pray for that dear, precious Son, John, Father. We ask You to reach out and touch His body. Heal that malady that might be with Him. Father, we don't know what's wrong with Him. And He's not sure too. But Father, we just we, we do know this, that You're there to take care of us. Mm-hmm. And we ask You, if You would, to bless Him and let Him know that You have blessed Him. Mm-hmm. Father, that He might draw closer to You. Mm-hmm. Father, we pray uh, uh, these mighty things, Father, that You'd reach out and, and, and lay Your hands upon Him and, and Father, comfort Him comfort him and his family and all of us here, Father, that, that we know that you are with him and with us even this very day. So, Father, we pray that you might uh, continue with us here in this service as you have every single day, Father, and that as we walk forth from this place and, and through the work week, Father, that uh, you would uh, indeed uh, uh, remain very close to us. Or we need it. We don't know any other way to proclaim it, Father, except we know that you have mercy upon us in every situation of life. life. And dear Heavenly Father, we pray all of these things in the wonderful name and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. Be turning your Bible over to the book of Job. Job learned something. But you understand that the 31 chapters in this book, there was a contention between Job and his three friends, Baptist friends. They could not convince Job, they could not get him to acquiesce to their way of thinking. Hmm. And there was a reason for that, mainly because they weren't thinking like they should, were they? Right. Now, they close. They did. And said many things mm-hmm. that were right yeah. and good. Yeah. And that ought to be paid attention to. Uh, it, it's remarkable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, just how how close they came to to being right down the line. <laughs> but we not have to understand this too that Job was a just man. Yeah. In the eyes of God, he was a just man. He <laughs> just though did not quite have the understanding that he ought to have concerning who God was and who 
Job was. Job worshipped God, and his worship evidently was acceptable to God as a just man. But God wants his people, and he will get his people to have understanding. In fact, the whole purpose of our salvation is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, what the what what is that? It's, you, you can't put it in a few words, can you? Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't know whether you can put it in many words. Mm-hmm. There have been books upon books upon books upon books that have been written on that subject. Mm -hmm. And yet, they're still writing and we're still preaching. Now, it's not to say that some people do not understand. They do. I I hope we understand. But it's not because of the writing of books. Right. Now those books that are written, they may help you. Yeah. But they will not give you to understand. Even this book right here <laughs> will not make you understand the person of God in the spirit of God. Right. And this is what Job really lack and so we get to the 32nd chapter and there's another person that appears and that person is Elihu some people pronounce it Elihu and some probably pronounce it some other way but he is the fourth one that has evidently been sitting there with Job and the other three friends of Job, and we have to assume that he came either at the same time that they came, or perhaps came with them. But he's been sitting there, he's the younger of all of them, and he's been sitting there listening to this whole dialogue all of this time, however long this took, and evidently it took more than a day, at least <laughs> a few days, and uh, uh, again, not that they went through everything, you know, chapter after chapter, like we read it here in the book. But uh, uh, conversations, oftentimes, one person will say something, and then it it has to be consumed in the mind. And then something else is said. But anyway, Elihu comes into the, the scene in chapter beginning at chapter thirty-two, and then he uh, he is admonishing Job, and uh, he has a lot to say. He is one who understands God and he's revealing God to Job 
But then in chapter 38, who else appears? God Himself. Boy, God Himself. I mean, in God speaks. Mm-hmm. And J.T. said earlier, and rightly so, that in these latter days, God speaks to us by His Son. Now, uh, in my uh, expert opinion, uh, I, I really believe that if Elihu wasn't Christ, he represented it. But then God Himself comes into the scene and He teaches Job. And when God gets through with him in the 42nd chapter, Job understands God. Did he know everything? No, but he knew everything that God wanted him to know. And so, though, we go back, uh, Elihu again comes on the scene in chapter 32, and in chapter 33, he says, Wherefore, Job, I pray thee, hear my speeches, and hearken to all my words. Behold, now I have opened my mouth, my tongue has spoken in my mouth. My words shall be of the uprightness of my heart. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. If thou canst answer me, set thy words in order before me, stand up. Behold, I am according to thy wish in God's stead. This is one of Job's wishes, you know, that somebody could come in the stead of God, in the place of God, and commune with him. Uh, Job knew there was something not right. He just didn't know what. Job was a believer. I mean, you can't get you can't get much more of a, a a wonderful and perfect confession than Job had when he said, "I, I know that my redeemer liveth, and that I shall see him with my eyes." Right? I'm going to behold him. I'm going to see him. I mean, you can't get much more righteous thought, at least, than what Job said in the very beginning, uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but still, blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, that takes faith, people. Yeah. It, that, that takes faith. And most of the time, I, I'm afraid that we don't have that kind of faith. He's saying that after the fact, too. He said, yes. What he said was the Lord had taken yeah. away. It's, it's gone. Now, he had lost everything. And yet he could still say that. Now, again, whether he, he really understood what he was saying, and, and many times, you know, we make statements 
Some of them are very sincere statements, just like Job was. Some of them are just cliches. We don't know what we're saying when we say some of the, these things. But nevertheless, if we are His, who teaches us? The Spirit of God. Yeah, God teaches us. They shall all, they shall all be taught of God. And so here's the, the situation we have then with, uh, with Job and, and Elihu. Uh, verse 7, Behold, my terror shall not make thee afraid, neither shall my hand be heavy upon thee. It reminds me again of the Apostle Paul's uh, admonition, the servant of the Lord must not do what? Mm. Must not strive, but be gentle, peradventure God will give them repentance, mm. right? right. That's, that's the key. And this is what we're going to see here in this, this 33rd chapter of Job. As we continue, verse 8, Surely thou hast spoken in mine hearing, and I have heard the voice of thy word, saying, I am clean without transgression, I am innocent, neither is there iniquity in me. Behold, he findeth occasions against me, he counteth me for his enemy, he putteth my feet in the stocks, he marketh all my paths. Uh, We feel that way sometimes, don't we? Uh, I think uh, my beloved wife was feeling that way this morning when we got the, the message about God. You know, sometimes it just feels like everything's going wrong. Amen. I mean, it does. But nothing, nothing is it is right. It, it just it's it's you. Sometimes you feel like it's all against me. The whole. The whole thing, it's, it's all against me. Well, but it's not if we're His people, is it? Right. But we are going to have trials. Yeah. We're going to have troubles. Yeah, He said, when they come up on you. Yeah. It, you must. <clears throat> what does that word must mean? It's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be. There's no other way for it to happen. You must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Now, we know what God can do, right? He can do anything. Is anything too hard for me? That's His question that He asks us. And we know that it's not. I mean, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and and the gold is his, and the silver is his. However much of it there is, it's all his, and everything else besides, it's all his because he created it. So we know what God can do if it is His will, and if it is according to His purpose in Christ. Now, again, there are many things that God cannot do. They, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God can do anything. No, He can. He cannot deny Himself. Right. 
God cannot deny himself. What does that mean? It means that he cannot change or go against any uh, thing that he has ordained to be or to come to pass. Can't do it. Because he has ordained it in righteousness and according to good sound judgment, right? According to perfect, absolute, holy judgment, he has ordained all things according to his will and according to his purpose. So he can't change his will and he can't change his purpose. Now, and we're glad. We're grateful. Yes, we 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 are. I mean, that's people who who rightly understand that God is God take great comfort in knowing that He is sovereign and that all that He does is holy and righteous. Even if he isn't, even if this person over here is not of the elect, it's still true. I mean, it's you know all the things that go on in this world—the absolute, despicable, horrible, outrageous things—and yet God has brought them about for a holy and righteous purpose. For a purpose, yes. And you just you leave it at that and marvel. And who he is, and, and and he's our husband, and that's what Job is finding out. He's finding out about the, the sovereignty of God uh, in his both his love and in his wrath. Yeah, and he's finding out again that he cannot reply against God. Yeah, uh, and and we don't have time to go through through all of that, but if you again go back over there to Job, uh, the eighth the thirty eighth chapter, I mean, that's what God asked Job, where where were you when I did all all these things? And what could Job answer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just shut his mouth. And he's gonna put his hand over. Yes. Make sure that he doesn't say anything more than what he said. He's not going to be able to argue. He can't argue with the Elihu, and he sure cannot argue with God himself. And so when he comes to the this that forty second chapter, I mean uh, he says, I know that thou canst do everything. That's what we're just talking about, right? And that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Right? Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Then here I beseech thee, I will speak, I will demand of thee, and will declare thou unto me. And then Job says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee, wherefore. Now here's what it comes to when you see God 
not hear about Him, but when you see God, here's what will happen. I abhor who? Myself. Myself. Not abhorring Bruce, not abhorring Jerry, not abhorring Linda or anybody else. I abhor myself. Certainly doesn't abhor God, does it? Uh, in fact, it implies just the opposite. He now exalts God to the place that He is worthy of in His in Job's heart and mind and soul and spirit. He, he just is there. I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so we go back to chapter 33. We're just getting to the introduction of this, and we're probably maybe we'll try to go on with it after lunch. But uh, he says he put it, verse eleven. He put it my feet in the stocks. He marked all my path. Behold, Elihu says, "In this thou art not just." I will answer thee that God is greater than man. So why dost thou strive against him? Remind us of Romans chapter 9, right? Uh, will man reply against God? Or Daniel 4.35. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar found it out, didn't Right. Uh, God gives the kingdom to whomsoever He will. It doesn't matter, does it? Right. The great Nebuchadnezzar was nothing to God. Right. He may have been great to some people, but He was not great to God except as God promoted Him to His position. The same thing with, with Job. The, the thing about it is that in both cases, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar or whether it's Job, to be elevated to our right position is to be humbled to the dust. Isn't that what Peter says? I believe it's Peter. Uh, uh, Humble thyself under the mighty hand of God that he may do what? Exalt you in due time. But folks, to be exalted in the eyes of God is to be humble. So I don't care who it is. Uh, it is to be humble. And uh, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm thinking more and more on this all the time. Uh, there, There's too much pride in all of us. We... we we still need, and I believe that God is working on us to that end, that first of all, we're, we're nothing in the eyes of God. He doesn't need us, but we need Him. Amen. And secondly, the Apostle Paul admonishes us to be that way amongst ourselves. We're not to think more highly than uh, 
than we ought to of ourselves, right? But we're to think more highly of the other person. But see, all all of this, all of this is, is impossible for us to accomplish. It has to be the Spirit of God working in us, and we'll see that again as we go along here. So, why dost thou strive against him? For he gives not account of any of his matters. Again, the 11th chapter of, of Romans. Who hath been his counselor, right? But, uh, nobody. Because there's none that understand it. Right? right. None that seeketh after God. Yeah, none that seeketh after God. They, there's no, not one. And we could go on with that out of the third chapter of, of Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it, it really puts us in our place. Or it ought to. And it will if the Spirit of God is speaking to us. If the Spirit of God is convincing us. Let me go on. Verse 14. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet what happens? Yet man perceiveth it not. And perceiveth it not. Now again, it doesn't mean that God only speaks one time or only speaks twice to, to some people. Uh, it's, it's a metaphor, I guess you would call it. But it's simply, uh, again, picture language, if you will, that is simply saying that really that no matter how many times God speaks, man cannot and will not perceive what God is saying. So, what does that mean? Well, you can read this Bible one time, two times, many Three times, four, five, six, seven, a hundred. But what is it going to profit you if God doesn't teach you? That's it. That's exactly it. I can stand up here and preach. JT can stand up here and preach. Bruce can stand up here and preach. Brother Jerry can stand up here and preach. Uh, Herb Hatfield can stand here and preach. Uh, Brother Dale can stand here and preach. Anybody can stand here and preach and unless God opens it up to you to where it affects your heart. Amen. Amen. You may you may know a lot about the Bible. Sure. Yeah. But eternally speaking, it will not do you any good. Amen. Except in the very end, it will convict you and condemn you. I, I uh, it was thinking about that very thing, um, and I don't know right now in, in numbers, but and I didn't look this up. How many times? God said, I am the Lord your God. But He says it so many Mm -hmm. times uh, to Israel that 
I mean, it's just an amazing thing how many times he said it, and yet how few of them really believed it. Received it as it should have been. Right. And it's the same today. Yeah. Um, yeah, it hasn't changed. No, it hasn't changed. And, and I marvel that he finally came in the person of Christ. I mean, it was God with us speaking to us. I mean, the, he had all the prophets, yeah. he had the apostles, and then he got himself. Yeah. And it hasn't. The law and the prophet. Yeah. Yeah, and Christ came Himself and lived among the Jews, the one that they they said that they were continually looking for, the Messiah, and yet He came unto His own and His own received Him not. Amazing. It's true, but it's it's illustrates without any doubt at all that it must be God yes. that teaches us. So, who do men say that we are? That I am, rather. Mm. Who, do, who do men say that mm. I am? Well, all kinds of Well, this one and that one and the other one and some people say you're a great prophet and on and on it goes, you know. But whom say ye that I am? And what was Peter's answer? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, blessed art thou, Simon Barton, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in so here we are God speaking once yea twice yet man perceiveth it not in a dream in a vision of the night when deep sleep falleth upon men in slumberings upon the bed then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. Now, again, this is figurative language. Mm-hmm. Does not mean that, you know, well, maybe if I want to know God, I'll just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's what it amounts to. Is that when you're least, when you're least expecting it, God will open a passage of Scripture to you. Amen. And then you're 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 shocked, really. Well, even your whole salvation, huh? Even your whole salvation. I mean, one day it's. Yeah, it, it, you know, the light you're turns on. The, never the same. You're never the same again, right? Because the, the light of the Lord. Yes. Bruce, there wasn't you and me. was talking about that first day that we said, "Let there be light." Yes. Uh, was that light Jesus? 
It had to be something, but it wasn't the sun. Was it? I think it was his glory. And, and, but but it, it it was instant. Yes. And, and it was it flooded the entire universe. Really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what I think. And that's what when when God opens the Word to you. That's what it. It's what it does. Amen. I mean, it just it, it just lightens you up. Yes. It, it, uh, you know, we, we we have that to some degree in natural life. Yeah. You, you see, you know, these illustrations where light bulbs up here over the head, and uh, you know, well, and we say that a lot. Oh well, I, I saw the light. Mm-hmm. Now they're LED lights. Yeah, well, they're they're getting better all the time, aren't they? They're, they're more bright than ever. Right. But so Talk is God's word to us who have that spirit of Jesus Christ. Uh, his word gets brighter and brighter, and He gets brighter and brighter, and it appears unto us as that morning star. And this is what this is what Elihu is telling Job. Again, so it stands to reason why his three friends had no real effect upon him because they were not God speaking. Right. Elihu is. Now what he says? He says, I am with you as God. Um, the voice of God. But again, unless Elihu is Christ, it still was God who was empowering. Right? Yes. Just like the apostles I mean, the apostles had the light. Yes. But it was God that was speaking through them. And, you know, again, there's lots of people today that do not understand that. They still think it was just Paul, that it was just, you know, it was just Peter. Mm -hmm. It was just Matthew, just Mark, just Luke. You know, they're just men. And they were they were writing, and they oh they may they had a lot of knowledge, all right enough, and and all this other other stuff, you know, but they they were not inspired of God. It wasn't God that was giving His word to them. So they argue, make that argument. They cannot believe that God. Could write this this Bible, but we believe that. So, but what is it all about? For what purpose does God enlighten His people? And Elihu begins to give the answer. He keepeth back his soul from the pit. 
and his life from perishing by the sword, he is chastened also with pain upon his bed and the multitude of his bones with strong pain, so that his life have poured bread and his soul dainty food. Now, we talk about the chastening hand of God and once more, I believe that for the most part, people simply have no real concept of what the chasing of God is all about. They think that the chastening of God is to have to suffer their air conditioning going out. Or the car breaking down. Or, or even afflictions in well, the ours body. Is, ours is a washing machine. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, that thing went out. And it always it went out at the uh, inconvenient time. Yeah, yeah. Didn't it? We read a book on your chasing yesterday. But here, here is a description. Now, uh, the New Testament describes it also, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you ever read the twelfth chapter of Hebrews? And you have forgotten. Well, first of all, in verse four, you have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and what? Mm-hmm. And scourgeth yeah. how many? Every son whom he receiveth. Now, what what is a have you ever been scourged? <laughs> scourged with a switch and I beg you please don't oh no no you weren't, you weren't scourged with <laughs> a switch like you it? can't scourge somebody with no. a switch <laughs> unless it's a, the right kind oh well it was the right kind well you thought it was well bad, it was little but, but that wasn't that wasn't near what a scourging is no I understand that and, but but that's that's my uh, it does go to my point Again, we, we think sometimes that we're experiencing a scourging from God when, you know, it's really not. Yeah. Now here's a description of when you're scourged of God, your life, well, when we go back, it, pain upon your bed and multitude of bones will experience strong pain and the life is abhors bread and is sold daily meat. His flesh is consumed away that cannot be seen. His bones that were not seen stick out. Yea, his soul draws near unto the grave and his life to the destroyer. Now, <clears throat> the psalmist understood this. 
right? For instance, in the Psalms, Verse 5 of chapter 43, for instance, he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Then he admonishes himself, Hope thou in God. In chapter 42, he ends that chapter the very same way. Uh, why art thou cast down? Well, if his soul is cast down, what does that mean? Hmm. It feels forsaken. Yeah. In chapter 74, Verse 1, O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? You ever been in a position like that? You know, when you feel like that you have been deserted of God, there's no worse feeling in all of the world. I keep wondering if, if there's not going to come a time down the road when most of God's people are going to feel that way. But I think that's going to happen. And that's what I was trying to convey. Some of these uh, sermons on the last days, the end of this world, uh, like I said, one of the the hardest things that we're going to face is the fact that God not answering prayer. Have a great drought. Have a great drought. That's a, that's a good way to express it. Mm-hmm. A famine. And yet, God is going to keep His people. And in that very thing, he, he, he may just be bringing his people to that, that point of, as Paul puts it, the, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But, O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why doth thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion, wherein thou hast dwelt. Now, uh, in, on the one hand, then, the psalmist is feeling that he is utterly forsaken Israel, and the psalmist is part of that Israel, isn't he? Uh, that God has forsaken him, and yet there's a hope in him. Now you know that 
what God accepted, I wanted to say appreciated, but I believe accepted more than anything else in Abraham, and that by which Abraham was really justified was what? That he hoped against hope. Against hope. And so God was not ashamed to call him his friend. But people, this this is true. I I believe it with all my heart. I I believe it right now. I believe it's happening and indeed right now that, that, that there are multitudes of people out there and when I say multitudes, I... Maybe that's the wrong term to use. There is a remnant. Hmm. Lots of people in that remnant, I think, but not in comparison to the whole world. But there is a remnant that are grasping. They don't, but they don't really understand yet God. They're grasping. They're they're trying to reach out and they're trying to comfort themselves with words. Write another book. Write another book or or, or just write a a, a verse of Scripture. And, And, you know, if they write a verse of Scripture... It's okay, isn't it? Then that how the songs have been written, maybe. <laughs> a lot of them have. It's what, like JT has said, you know, as long as you're re- reading or, or, or the Bible or whatever, you you can't mess that up. Now, again, you can get a, another Bible or you can preach another gospel. But if you're preaching the Word of God, you can't mess that up. Right. But folks, we still have to understand God in His reality. And we have to be able to rejoice in Him. And in His Word and in His ways, we can't be always muddy grubbing, as we put it in East Texas. We can't always be murmuring. We can't always be complaining. Those people coming out of Egypt, God said they, they complained ten times. After that tenth time, though, what happened? Well, instead of them going into the promised land, they went into the wilderness, didn't they? And died there. And, yeah, all all of them, except, well, from 20 years up. Right. All of them from 20 years up, except for Moses and Aaron, Joshua. Joshua and Caleb. Yeah. 
But why didn't they? Because they believed God and trusted in Him. So here's here's the real chastisement of God. And I think we'll stop right there for the time being and we'll come back to this. Because now we're fixed to get into the real heart of the matter. If there be a messenger, we will come back to this.